0: turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> and by the way, I'm going I'm, I'm to refer to a few things, but since I had plenty of time in Sunday school to talk about a source of light, I'm not going to say very much other than to say, please stop by our display. If you want to find out, if you didn't know very much about source of light and you didn't happen to be in Sunday school, stop and pick up this brochure. It tells you what source of light does, gives you some information about source of light. And if you want to pray for our family... Uh, this is an old prayer card now, uh, and uh, but st- stop by the display and pick up one of these to pray for our family. I, I will tell you, I-, I really do covet your prayers. Uh, I will tell you, there-, there are situations, in fact, even just this past week, there's a situation I'm dealing with and I, I just cry out to the Lord because I say, I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation, and so I'm going to have to get on a plane and go deal with something. And I will tell you, I get off of a plane and I say, <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking on the trip. I think I'm I probably ought to be prepared somehow, and certainly there are things that I have to come prepared for. But I often, I often think, God, I don't know what I'm going to face when I get off this plane. I don't know what the spirit's going to be like with this ministry or this individual. I don't know what. Opposition, what you know, openness. I don't know what I'm gonna. I don't know what's gonna happen in this, and so I cry out to God on the plane ride, and I say, God, please, please, will you just work through me and guide me in everything that I say? And and you know, th- this is the hard thing about the job that I do is I have to be so discreet about what I can even share with people. And you know, sometimes the, I, you know, sometimes you'll see where I have been. After I have been there, because I don't want people to know that I'm there, uh, it can be dangerous for me. It can be dangerous for my missionaries. It can be dangerous for my wife. You know, there are these things where they'll pick up on social media and they'll they'll call my wife. They'll, they'll they can they haven't done it to us yet, but other organizations they call your wife and say we have your husband, and uh, we want ransom. You know, they can find out your information on social media. It's hard to be in this role and not be out there. On the other hand, there's a downside, and they can call her and say, hey, uh, you need to pay a ransom for uh, your, your husband. Well, now I have my phone, and it's always an, enabled, so all she has to do is send me a text and say, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, and he's like, well, my husband's fine. So, But the point is I, I try to do it delayed so that people don't even know where I'm going. But So what it means is I, when 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 you have our, our prayer card, and you're, you're praying for the barns, and, and maybe you don't even... You do get our prayer car- our prayer letters and so forth I don 't know you get it in your bulletins and so forth, but the fact that you have this and you're saying i don't know what what Ron and Brenda are facing today, but God would you guide them? Would you protect them? You know I, I will tell you there are most days where i, I feel I-, I feel like like you all lift us up in prayer because there's no other explanation for how I've made it through certain days uh uh, By the way, I want you to focus on this picture. I just want you to have it in your mind. There's one little object in there there at the bottom, which is a cell phone that I want you to remember. Uh, But as you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, I want to tell you about a story. A few years ago now, I got a phone call from one of our missionaries. And our missionary uh, said to me, Ron, do you think you can uh, get on a plane and be here next week? Well, I, I will tell you, uh, that kind of request is pretty difficult to fulfill at this stage in life. Quite often, I have, I have meetings and conferences that are two years in advance in my calendar, and, and my schedule is typically pretty tight. And uh, particularly at that time when I still had my my daughters at home, I really had to be careful about the travel that I did, that I filled in in between the times that I was traveling so that I was home. You know, now I can take my wife with me on some of these trips. She doesn't go on all of them because, frankly, she doesn't like to go the places. Some of the places that I go is pretty tough, you know. And uh, I'm pretty hardy, but not everybody travels like like I do, you know, and and it's not easy, and so I wouldn't I wouldn't even want her to have to go some places we have to go. I'll fly for thirty hours. I took my daughter on it. She thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever. This past summer, I took her with me, and we got we flew for twenty something hours, and then we got on a in a in a in a truck and drove for another fourteen hours in the Himalayas. And they made the mistake. They had my daughter was here. We were in the back seat and my, my uh, uh, director for that part of India's daughter was on this side, they made the mistake of putting me in the middle. I'm a big guy, and we were, it was like this for hours. And I was like, bang, 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 you know, back and forth between those two girls. But that was a freebie. I don't even know why that came out. But talking about travel. Um, but my, my schedule is typically pretty tight. And he said, Ron there's something happening and we've been we've been asked to play a significant part in in a movement that is happening here in this african country he said there's going to be a group of imams and muslims who will be meeting in this particular city on next friday night And they would like for you to come and teach them and train them in how to do discipleship using a couple of resources that we have developed. One in particular, a booklet called Who is Jesus Christ? He said, Ron, this is a a very significant thing right now in in the Muslim world because these Muslims are having dreams about a man named Jesus and nobody will give them an answer. And we have a book, a very simple and plain book, that answers the questions for them. And so we have discovered, we have come across a group of imams that have been using this material in in their mosque. He said, I spoke in a mosque yesterday and presented the gospel. Well, you know, it was a few things are running through my mind. One is, of course, whether or not it would be fair to my wife because of my travel. And so I asked my wife and my kids, Do you mind if I go make this quick trip? And they said, Okay. And then I explained a little bit more. And then they got a little more nervous. And uh, then I got a little nervous because you don't know in this type of thing, is this some kind of trap? And then they're going to lure the head of an organization into something like this. But I thought, if my director's going to be there and he's willing to do this, then I'm going to go. And so uh, maybe I'll tell you more about the story because on this particular trip, I ended up getting arrested and uh, sent into to jail. But I, I won't tell you that part of the story. Maybe I'll tell you that part tonight. But I sat down uh, at this meeting it looked, for all intents and purposes, it looked like I was in a mosque. It was a kindergarten. But they sat around on the carpet on the floor, and all around me, all around me, they were dressed like you would expect Muslims to be dressed. And we began to sing, and we began to pray. They started at 6 p.m. at night, and the goal was to go to 6 a.m. in the morning all in the darkness of night, so people wouldn't know we were there. Every time they have this meeting, they go from place to place to place because it'll be dangerous if, if people know that where it's being held. And so uh, we, we sat there, and I began to teach, and I began to preach, and I began to share, and I began to to, to uh, disciple them and, and, and train them in utilization of some of our resources. And and I began to ask them some que- some questions about their own. Ministries and they told me one story about a, a man, they, a man stood up to tell me his testimony. He says, I I got saved. He was an imam. He said, I got saved about a year ago. And I began to preach the gospel in my mosque. And he said, and nearly every person in my mosque got saved, except for three men and they were angry, and they sought to kill me. And he said, uh, many times in the night, I had to be very careful because they were hiding, trying to kill me. He said, the final time, one of the men was very angry, and he caught me. And he sat there kicking me, kicking my head, trying trying to cause me to die, And he said, he stood on my head at one point and he said, renounce this Jesus Christ or this will be your last breath. And the man, he said, I will use my last breath to share Jesus with you. And then he went unconscious. He awoke. He didn't didn't know that he had gone unconscious, obviously, or anything like that. He apparently awoke a few days later with this man Sitting beside him, his name was Muhammad, sitting right beside him, and he woke up a little nervous because he was pretty sure the reason why he was in this hospital bed was because of Muhammad, but Muhammad sat right beside him, and when he awoke when he awoke, Muhammad said to him i don 't know what would possess you to do this to endure this kind of this kind of torture, this kind of beating." Why would you do all of this for this Jesus? I don't understand. But when you're healthy enough to tell me, I will be here to listen. And he went on to tell the story. He said, you know, I I, I began to disciple this man. This man came to Christ. And this man, Muhammad, now serves as probably one of the greatest evangelists in this country. He shares the gospel and hundreds of Muslims come to Christ. This man is a modern day Paul, is what, what he called him. And then he said, I, I his name is Muhammad, and I want to introduce you, Pastor Ron, to Muhammad, who was sitting right beside him. Yeah, I got goosebumps too. Did you feel a little goosebumpy just now? I got goosebumps too, as this man stood, he was a very humble guy. He didn't really have very much to say. But I began to say, tell me me how you do this. He said, it's interesting. It's not as hard as you might think because people are so hungry to hear about this man that they're having a vision about that they're willing to to sit and listen. And they said, "Uh, we take your resource and we open it because... In the Quran, in the book of Suraj, there's a passage that says, If you don't understand what is written in these words in this book, the Quran, talk to those that study the Injil and the Torah. That is the Old Testament and the Gospels. So the Quran tells a Muslim it's okay to talk to a Christian if you don't understand certain parts of the Koran. And so they bring this up and they say, they, it's an open door for them to be able to talk about the Gospel. Well, I tell you, I was blown away by all of the openness and the open door and and the fear that was kind of in me because I still wasn't sure what, you know, like it looked like I was in a Muslim meeting of some sort. But that all went away and I just began to pour into these men and women. And then I was getting ready to... Uh, to pack up because I I had to leave uh, early in the morning. I was probably flying out about 8 that morning. And so I needed to be at the airport, and so it was about time for me to get going. They said, Pastor, we're not a church. We have deliberately chosen not to leave our mosques, our Muslim communities, so that we can infiltrate them with the gospel. This fellowship is the only thing we have, the only Christian fellowship we have So we don't have a pastor or anything. Would tonight, would you be our pastor? Because many of us have come to Christ and have not been baptized. And so in that that kindergarten, in a bathroom, in a tub, I began to baptize imams and Muslims. That was the last thing I did and I headed to the airport from that, and I got through my check-in, and 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 like a sense of of of, um, of just worry or panic or unsettledness is probably the best best term came over me. I began to realize what I had just done. For many of those men and women, I had signed a death sentence. When they identified with Christ, they became the enemy of their own families. And and I began to wrestle. I began to wrestle with God. And I said, God, I'm here and I, I believe I'm doing what You want me to be doing, but God, somehow it doesn't feel like enough because I'm going to get on a plane and I'm going to go back home to the safety of America. It just doesn't seem fair, God, that these people are going to go back into a harsh environment. It's not going to be friendly. Some are going to pay with their own lives. And I began to wrestle with God. I know I became a missionary, God, but is it enough? Am I offering up enough for you? And the Lord brought me to this passage. Romans chapter 12. Because I believe I want to propose to you this morning that perhaps some of us, God has called us to a different kind of sacrifice. One that might be even harder than laying one down's life. And that is to offer it daily. As a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good. An acceptable, and perfect will of God. Paul took very seriously this responsibility that God had put on him. The first was to leave what's comfortable. He, he, he used an interesting word there. He said, I beseech you, therefore... That word, beseech, is from the the Greek word parakaleo, which is often used uh, in the noun form as the Holy Spirit. Been working on that, Tim? Pastor Tim? Parakaleo. The literal translation is to call alongside. What Paul... In essence, has done here is he has said, I'm, I'm calling you alongside of me in what I'm about to ask you to do. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do. By this time, by this time, in Acts chapter 9, in Acts chapter 14, in Acts chapter 16, Paul's already seen a lot of action. He's already been forced out of Tarsus. He's already been stoned. He's already been in prison. And so what Paul was basically saying as he started out, what he was asking for them was in leaving what's comfortable, he's like, look, I get it. I get, I get what it is like to leave what's comfortable. Trust me when I tell you as I write from this prison. I understand what it means to not be comfortable. You know, when I when I came back after my first five years in in Hungary, uh, I had a lot of my buddies, and I'm not even going to say names, because some of you probably even know the names. They're pastors around New York and Pennsylvania. And I would sit down with these guys, and, and they'd invite me to their church, and we'd sit on their back porch, and... They talk about hunting and now they got this gun and, you know, they talk about, you see that? That's all property. That's all my property, you know, so I can go hunting anytime I want to. And, and, you know, they're talking about church, how things are going well. And, and, and over and over and over and over again, they talk, kept talking about how comfortable their life had become. As if that was a standard for Christian living. Like, you get to a point in your Christian walk where you're comfortable and now, You've achieved. You've, you've had success in the ministry by getting comfortable. And I read nowhere in the scripture that we're called to a life of comfort. Now, I'm sorry if you work in camp ministry and maybe you perpetuated this idea. But you know, the, the thing that I always hated was you'd sit around these these decisions that needed to be made in camp ministry, and and even other people that go into ministry talk about, you know, I prayed about it. Lord just gave me a peace. Gave me a real peace about doing this decision. So I know it was the Lord because He gave me a peace. you think when I sat those, those, those imams, those Muslims in the tub and I began to baptize, what, what came across them was peace The reality is if we're we're trying to and if we're attempting something great for God, there's going to be a price. And the price is going to be at the expense of our comfort. And what Paul was saying in this passage is, I'm calling you to work alongside of me and I'm not expecting you to do something that I'm not willing to do. Another trip to Africa. I was uh, yeah. This time it was in Togo. I can say this country because I know you guys stream. I couldn't say the other one. I was in Togo, and our missionary kept me busy day after day after day after day. We get to the last day, and it's like he packed everything he possibly could into one day. And so we were going to do three prisons in different parts of the country. We're, so we're driving and driving and driving one prison, then I preach and go into another prison and preach and and uh, it's not what you think of when you go to prisons here in the states there was like there's guards that are outside the door and you're like basically in a building like a long build a a, a square building with an open center and no guards on the inside and lysar though um saw that a lot in there (laughs) but um so they lock you in there with those guys and you start to preach. And so it was a rough day. I was exhausted. I did three of those. And then they said they, all day long because we are in the car for hours, they are telling me about ministry after ministry after ministry because we had translators in there and some of our evangelists that work with us. And, and they were telling me about one of the areas that, that they've been really trying to focus on and minister to called fio Kanji, And they said, uh, fio Kanji has been tough. We have gone there time after time. They have threatened to kill us if we come back. They've threatened to kill us, but we are determined to see a church started there. And so we're we're making the the you know they they really built this thing up. It was a rough area, and so they 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 uh we we, we get to my last prison and we start heading down the road and we start we're about an hour down the road we finally arrive at our last location. They said, "This is what you're going to do here. We want you to preach." an evangelistic message because what we want to do is we've been laying planting seeds for a long time and today we have invited the whole village here and you're going to preach the gospel and it when people we believe people will come to Christ they will get saved and at the end of that you give an invitation i want you to lead these people to Christ and then i will come up and i will announce that a week from today We'll start the Bethany Baptist Church in this town. Well, that doesn't happen very often to me. I, I get to preach that service that's going to launch. You know, they've been doing all the groundwork, trying to prep people and get people come into this thing. And so I, we 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 start to pull up. We pull into town, and I hear the two guys talking back and forth, the two nationals talking back and forth in French, and they say Fiokonji. I said, "Wait, what?" They said oh yeah the, these that's the the chief is up there in the front he's the the chief of Fikanji. This is Fikanji we the the church you're going to launch is in Fiakanji, and you want me to preach the evangelistic message and the talent they said they would kill you if you came back i don't I don't often report this type of thing to my wife until well after. You know it's over she would she would have a lot more gray hair than she does you know if she heard some of this stuff, but I'm gonna be honest, I was nervous I, we're we're pulling up and uh this this was this was what was waiting for me oh that was those were the Muslims that I baptized this was waiting for me. I don't know how well you can say. It. There's probably three, four hundred people under this little makeshift tent thing that they made. And, and, and they said, okay, Ron, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, you're gonna preach right there at the front. There's hundreds of people on this side, hundreds of people in this side. They're kind of facing each other, and then there's another few hundred that are facing this way. They said, now it's pretty tight, but right behind you is the town council and the, 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 the head chief of this village. They're gonna be right behind you. The same group of people who said, "If you come back, we will kill you," are standing behind me while I preach the gospel. I was like, I was, I was doing double take. You know, I'm like standing back as I'm pacing. I'm doing one of these things, just making sure someone's got my back. You know, but I gave the gospel because I, I began to realize. If these guys, by the way, these guys that I was traveling with have been there on numerous occasions and they have been beaten, they've had their cars vandalized, they've had their tires popped, they've had anything that could possibly, they've been threatened, and yet if they still keep coming back, then the one time I'm in town, if they're willing to be there, then I'm willing to be there. Because these guys have chosen have made a conscientious decision that sometimes leaving what's comfortable means putting their lives in danger. And that God has not called them to a ministry that there's not going to be some sort of cost. And so Paul first says, if you want to live a sacrificial life, you're going to have to leave what's comfortable. And secondly, you're going to have to live sacrificially. You're, you're going to have to live sacrificially. You know, it, it's interesting. It's interesting when we use that word sacrifice. Have you ever? Have you ever said you know, you're going to sacrifice something and thought that's not all really much of a sacrifice? I, I remember. I remember there was a, a, a movement, you know, where there were churches that were doing faith promise and that type of thing. Some of you guys know that, where you support missionaries through through your church, and you're going to give a certain amount of money every month to the church for supporting missions. And I, I remember how many times I'd hear some. you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give up Starbucks. I'm going to sacrifice for the Lord by giving up my Starbucks. I'm not going to have that double frappuccino. Now Tim knows I'm a coffee drinker. I love coffee. This is not a plug against Starbucks coffee but is that a sacrifice is it a sacrifice what have you what have what have you really given up when when Paul when Paul said something about sacrificing he knew something about sacrificing you understood at any point in Paul's Christian life he could have just said enough I'm tired of being in prison all the time As soon as he'd open his mouth again, he'd be put back in prison. All he had to do at any point is just stop talking, just stop proclaiming the gospel. But think about it. What if he had stopped? In fact, what if he hadn't been in prison? Do you know how much of the Bible we would be missing if Paul hadn't been in prison? That's when he took a moment to write. It just so happened he had a lot of moments to write. And we surely have benefited from his imprisonment. And do you think, "I I really don't believe he had any idea. These were just letters that later on someone would decide would become a part of the canon. He didn't He didn't write it thinking, you know what, we're going to put this in the Bible. He just simply did what God had called him, had asked him to do. He made the best out of the situation he was in and he knew that he was called to be right where he was. In fact, another passage, I don't have time to go to it, but He said, I am placed here. That was his mission to be in prison. Paul says, if you want to be a living sacrifice, you're going to have to leave what's comfortable and you're going to have to learn what it means to live sacrificially. A living sacrifice. You know, I think... I think we often offer up to God things that don't cost us anything. Don't we? When's the the last time what you had to offer hurt? I told you about the the picture in the beginning. Remember that that little phone? If you walk into my office and you look at my if you look at my office, you see there's this ugly phone. It's a big, clunky piece of junk. It was a gift. <clears throat> I'd been preaching in a different African country, and I had been preaching for three days, and I was spent. It was so hot; there was no circulation. I was preaching in the front. And I had a hand microphone, and I was sweating so much. It was, it was literally like somebody had taken a bottle of water, and it was coming as a steady stream off my elbow. It was so, I've never sweat like that before in my life. It was a constant and steady stream of water. In fact, the, my director's son was sitting in the front seat with his friend, and most of these people never seen a white guy, and I thought, I think they were thinking I was melting. Look at that white guy, he's melting. The whites they melt, apparently. It was that bad. So I, I I was when I was done, I loved every moment of it, but I was spent. I was exhausted. And we were gonna get in a truck and we were gonna drive to my hotel and I was gonna turn on the AC and and replenish my water supply. And and frankly, I was even looking forward to the truck ride on that dirty road just because air would be moving. And so we got. Now I'm ashamed to say I kind of made a beeline to the truck. You know, thank you, thank you, thank you, on the way out. You know, and you know these these guys have never had someone come and teach them like this before. Very remote area. And so I barely get to the truck. I start to open the door, get my junk in there, and a man comes up. Pastor, 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 can you wait just one one minute? because I have something for you. I said, Really, everything in me wanted to say, let's get in the truck. But I said, sure, I'll, I'll stay. And I saw this little African guy run down this street that we are, my car was parked on. And it was just a dirt road as far as you could see into the bush. And so all I saw was dust for probably a mile. Till I lost sight of him and all that was left was dust. About five minutes later, I see dust again coming in the distance and it's coming towards me. Except this time, he's, he's kind of running funny because he has something in his hand like this. And as he got closer and closer, I thought, well, what in the world is he doing? He, he, he came to me and he says, Pastor, as a part of my culture, when we have been given the best of gifts, we offer the best of gifts. And he said, here's my phone. Because I don't own anything. I live in a hut. I don't have any money. I'm just a poor pastor. But this is the best thing that I own. You know, I have to tell you, it was a piece of junk. It was the best thing that he owned to be offered something that meant as much as he. When I say they have nothing, they live in a mud hut. There's not even lights in these things, and so he wanted to offer the very best possession that he had. It was his phone. To me, it wasn't even worth anything, but to him, it meant everything because it meant him carrying out offering as a sacrifice, the very best thing he had to offer. Let me ask you this, when's the last time? When is the last time what you had to offer God was the very best that you had to offer? It might not be money, but it should be. It might not be time, but it should be. You know, I discovered late in my life that my, even my own family didn't get the very best of me. Because I used all my good energy up in the office and I, they, the, the office people got the best and the people that I was ministering to got all of my energy. So at the end of the day, if I had five pieces of energy to give, I'd used all five and then i get home and they get the, the leftovers. Paul said, in order... to to become a living sacrifice, you have to learn what it means to leave what's comfortable and to offer yourself. When you learn to offer yourself, that's the beginning of understanding what it means to sacrifice. The Old Testament was filled with sacrifice, right? Right? A lot of sacrifice talk in the Old Testament. And when you sacrificed, you didn't bring something that didn't cost you something. You didn't bring anything with a blemish. It wasn't acceptable. And yet we spend a good majority of our lives giving away things to God that don't cost us anything. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. In fact, Pastor Tim, you want to come up as we close out this time? Because Pastor Tim has a tough job here. And I want to challenge you to ask the Lord in the same way Paul called the Roman believers alongside of him. I want you to ask the Lord how you can Come alongside of him, your pastor. Because he's not, he's not going to do anything. He's not going to ask you to do something that he himself isn't willing to do. And so I want to, I want to challenge you to ask yourself the question, for me to follow Christ like I I say that I want to follow Christ, what am I going to give up? Because I'm going to have to leave what's comfortable and I'm going to have to be sacrificial. And maybe you don't even know what that looks like. But I want to encourage you, do not. You know what's easy to do? It's to sit in here and to let this penetrate and feel like, you know what? I need to make a change. And then walk out and not make a change. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to close. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Tim uh, if he will uh, come up and, and close however he sits fit. But, but I'm going to do this as as as. I close in prayer, I want Pastor Tim to look across the crowd because I want you, if you're going to say, I I don't know what it means, but I want you to hold me accountable that I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice. I I want to stop thinking just about me and thinking about how I'm going to offer up more of myself and be useful to God. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Because I I believe it doesn't matter if we're a pastor, if we're a missionary. It doesn't matter if we're a deacon, if we're a chairman of some board or a Sunday school teacher. We can be going through the routine and it still not cost us anything. And I don't believe any of us have been called to a life of mediocrity. I believe God wants us to have joy and abundant joy and the only way we can do it is by being entirely His and offering ourselves entirely to Him, giving Him the very best we have to offer, not the least amount it's going to take. And so this morning, if, if, if you sense maybe, maybe there's more, maybe, maybe I have not been offering enough. And I'm not, we're not talking money, we're not talking time, we're talking everything then I want you, to, I want you to, to just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me that that the Lord will show me what that means and how I can do that? Would you just slip your hand up? Because Pastor wants to pray for you. He cannot do this job alone. This is not, you don't hire a pastor to come lead this ministry. It's, it's going to take a team. And he's going to need people who are given just a little bit more of themselves. Father, I'm thankful for those that have have indicated that this morning, that there's more that they have to offer. Father, I pray that You would not not give them rest. I pray that there would be a restlessness in their spirit until they can truly offer up to You themselves as a living sacrifice. I thank You that that you have you have uh, given us such worthy examples in the word of, of people who have gone ahead before this and father we know the Bible's filled with examples of people who have given up their very lives to follow and serve you but father this morning I believe a bigger more difficult challenge is offering up our lives daily to follow you and so father I pray that each of us in this room will be challenged with that. Every morning we wake up is offering ourselves.